Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Firm. I am your host, Alex Gore. I am here with a very, very special guest. New, new guest. Who yep. is it? It's Lance Carpenter Psycho. What the heck? He's, he's been out in the field working. We're going to get some insights from him. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about order operations, how the job site works, all that other stuff. But before we get there, you have to design a building before you build a building. You have to. You could do it on pencil, but I've done that before. Mm. And it takes longer. And I know that it takes longer because mm-hmm. it was in high school and everyone else was doing the same thing that I was doing. And I was taking a lot longer. Not because I'm slow, because I'm fast, but because it was in pencil. <clears throat> okay. So if you want to learn a cool program or up your skills, actually, screw Revit Rocket Ship. We've talked about that enough. This is a this is we have Lance Framing Carpenter Psycho here. We're gonna talk about the Architect to Builder course, right? If you want to transition your firm to have longer security, more responsibility, more reward, or just more knowledge and insight mm. on how that gets done, so that you can translate that knowledge into your architecture practice. Uh, so that you can be more confident, that you can be better at sales and gain more money. Go to architectsguide2.com, architectsguide2.com. Check it out. Yours truly went through this. Learn some awesome lessons painfully, and hopefully you can eliminate those. Say, hey, guys, this was easy. Why wasn't I doing this a long time ago? Should have been doing it. Yeah, I know. Architectsguide2.com. Yeah, this episode is also brought to you by ArcCat. If you haven't used ArcCat Spec Wizard before, now is the time. Spec Wizard is a patented tool that allows you to specify a product in just three steps, all for free and without re- even registering. That's my favorite part. Step one, research and find the right products for your project on ArcCat.com. Step two, use the Spec Wizard tool to select products and options. Step three, generate a complete three-part CSI or CSI. C specification based on your selections. That's it. Again, Spec Wizard is free to use and requires no registration, no data mining involved from ArcCat. It's all free. Just head over to ArcCat.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com today and try Spec Wizard. The other thing I want you to check out, and this episode is also sponsored by Pella Luxury. You've never experienced a brand like this before. The collection of brands within the luxury division of Pella are the conversation starters, the pioneers of the industry who provide window and door solutions to discerning architects, the building industry, and beyond. They have decades of experience creating things no one else in the world is creating, and the collection of brands are brought together to complement and build on one another. They don't push beyond the limits. They set them. Explore PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm. That's PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm today. So I want to show you something. It used to be one of our sponsors. Um, still love their computers. And I, I do. Yeah. I used to be more critical of them. I still am a little bit critical of them, but they made a smart move, and I want to be fair. His middle name is Al Critical. His middle name is Critical, so it's Al Critical, critical Gore. Gore. Yep. They made a great move. Um, if you're watching 
uh, on YouTube, you'll be able to see. So what Apple used to have, obviously they only had a limited amount of computers and then you could pick what you want in that computer. You can kind of up the uh, <clears throat> storage, the graphics card, yeah, customize all that. it. And Dell was doing the opposite and they still are on some lines where it's like, okay, you have to pick the computer first and then you only have one or two options and that's it. Their XPS laptops have it very similar to Apple as in, oh, I want this processor. Look at this, Lance. Oops, internet's being slow today for some reason. Oh, I want this graphics card. Wow. Oh, I want four terabytes of storage mm -hmm. and you just pick them it updates the price and you are good to go it's not doing it so fast right now because of our computer is being slow but how simple lance and easy is that now processor video card memory oh i want that i want that one come on look at that Get exactly what you want, simply and easily. I like it. Uh, man, I wish Dell would be our sponsor again. But <laughs> yeah. Well, so tell me why you're bringing this up. Are you just trying to give a little shout out? And uh, for yeah. the listeners at home uh, or at the office or whatever? Because uh, I feel like I've made fun of why they aren't doing that. And obviously, they don't listen to a small architecture, mid-size architecture podcast. Mm -hmm. But I wanted people to know. Like, this is literally bringing me back to Dell. It's like making these, these smart decisions. Yeah. Simple, smart decisions. That's it. And, and that should translate to maybe how you're operating in your business. Make it so that uh, your customers feel like they're making simple, smart decisions. Does I it like get more it. simple than that? SSD. Yes. Simple, smart decisions. Yes. Now to go the opposite way and be critical because oh, I am critical. Oh, Al Critical Gore. The AIA does not know how to market. <laughs> they should not waste their time. Can it, I get my opinion on why they don't know how to market first? Just just before sure. you, Al jumps into why he thinks they can't market. So this is just my opinion. My opinion about why they don't know how to market <clears throat> is nobody knows what the hell an architect still does. The general public does not know what an architect does, what they should be doing, uh, why they might need one. This is a if the I get the the reason for the AIA. One of it is you know this this social club, and then you get these uh, templates for your contracts and all that. And we have language, you know, that is similar to that. Uh, we're not part of the AA, but it's so whatever Al's about to tell you, I'm telling you even before he does. The fact that people, the general public, still has no freaking clue, generally speaking, what an architect does, why you need one, is why the AIA does not know how to market. Okay, let's go a little deeper in, okay. into that. So on my Gmail, I see an ad from the AIA, and it says disasters waiting to happen. Our national infrastructure problem, let an architect design your city solution and then open it up. And I, this is why, this is why I'm paying attention to it. And especially if you're in the AIA, you are paying money. Like that ad, someone decided that that ad should go to an architects or the general public or anything like that. Here's why I'm saying they don't know how to advertise. First off, off disasters waiting to happen isn't the best. Second, what they're targeting, you they are targeting government work. So why is that coming to my inbox? Why is that? Why are they paying for that? Mm -hmm. Right? And then third, to go to your point, what does an architecture do? This whole messaging is about infrastructure and how it can we can improve infrastructure. And basically you know why they're doing the, this? Because of the bill. Because of the, the infrastructure bill. You know that, right? I mean, I'm sorry I if I'm letting the, the cat out of the bag. I, I know that. They're capitulating but, to it. Yeah. 
Yeah, but shouldn't they literally be getting an email list and sending this to all the people that are making all the decisions yes. and then be calling them, not to the break. DOD or whoever? Yeah, yeah. It, it's like Lance. Let's say that the government was going to spend money on new F fifteen planes, whatever they're called. Should you get an email about that or any? Probably <laughs> Bill over in the F fifteen department. <laughs> in the F fifteen department. Yeah, exactly. That's his name. Um, so I think they don't know how to market because I think a large portion of what they get is from government work so you know what i mean like mm-hmm. so that's all they know who to no, no, talk exactly to. I, I i didn't need to respond to that because that's the truth like <laughs> yes alex <laughs> so know your audience man know your and know your audience and if this is your audience and this is fine like it, it shouldn't be coming one of the biggest things that i see architects complain about inbox. whether it's on linkedin or it's like the entree architect community or the business of architecture forum any a place like that or just i don't even know where else on a blog or something <clears throat> is posting pictures of the typical suburban house or um the typical uh just you know just house builder style house is another way of putting it right and these complaints about about them looking crappy and uh and and not being architecturally pleasing and just being repetitive and cookie cutter and wasteful and all this other stuff if that's the biggest if that's what architects are complaining about the most then the AIA should be targeting that audience the developers the builders and really making a contractors str- contractors and making the strongest case they can without any bullshit about why instead architects, licensed architects, should be designing those houses? Yep, <laughs> that they complain about the most. I gotta just better, better layout, easier to build, uh, maybe not cheaper cost, but like more effective cost or, or something like that. Like, and then giving that to contractors, developers, and nailing them with an AIA. If you're listening, I I know somebody from the AIA maybe is listening. Maybe somebody oh. has a, the ear to somebody else and they just pass this episode on. If you're listening. As somebody who was just in the field for four days, uh, as a as a master carpenter leading his car construction crew on a house that Al and Tyler designed, here's I'll give you one idea. Here's one thing. Here's one thing that we do all day long at our office when it comes to residential design, and residential architecture, and custom houses is two foot increments. I literally sent text messages to the entire firm as I'm laying out the walls with my tool bags on, thanking Tyler and the crew and saying, these plans are not only easy to read, but the dimensions that you gave me are awesome. Imagine a 16-foot wall. Guess what a 2 by 4 by 6 plate comes in? A 16-foot dimension. So we have no seams, we have no gaps, nothing like that. Everything lines up really, really well. That's where your message starts. It's, oh, because we're actually designing these two with a thought process of the materials that you're going to use to be able to put to build the house. That's why we're going to do, we're going to provide a superior product. Um, you should tell the owner that you should say, Hey, I just wanted to let you know <laughs> whoever designed this. I will yeah. next week. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Um, speaking of that, speaking about being out in the field, uh, how are you directing the crew? So uh, the first thing, one of the one of the keys, I think, is if if you are going to try to do architect to builder, um, and this applies to you if you if you either 
you are actually putting tool bags on like me, or you're just you're just directing and overseeing the crews as a general contractor is reiterating the order of operations to people and getting people to do one task really well over and over again until they master it and then move on to the next task that is similar but uh, more difficult to to tackle. Mm-hmm. So uh, here's a, here's an example of that. So over the course of the week, um, basically what uh, me and the crew did, if you want to see a picture of me doing it, you can actually go to my LinkedIn profile, link in with me, and you'll see Lance with some tool bags on, and then in the comment section, the progress we made over the week. So we we, uh, we framed up uh, almost all the exterior walls on the house, minus the garage, um, over, over the course of this week. And so what I had the guys do is, is I, I got ahead of them while they had some miscellaneous tasks to do on Monday, um, just blocking and that sort of thing. And I started laying out the walls, right? Cutting the sill plates, cutting the top plates, um, laying them out. Got ahead of, ahead of them far enough to where I said, okay, guys, now here's what you're going to do. They got done with their tasks. I taught them how to crown studs. So, you know, you have a crown facing outward on the outside plain edge of the wall or whatever. Um, get good at that. And, and then I walked them through like, here's what all of the symbols mean as I'm laying the plates out, right? King, king stud, jack stud, cripples, um, that sort of thing. So we were all on the same page. And then they just repetitively put together the walls on the floor as much as they could and got really good at that. And then we, then we were ready to tip walls up. Once we were ready to tip walls up, we, we would go, we would just do the same sequence over and over again as it pertained to tipping the walls up. For us, it was tip the wall up. I jump down and go on the outside, make sure it's flush and square um, as it relates to uh, the, the outside plane of the of the house. And I would go, we'd go down the wall and pin it. And then we would start at the corner where we, the first corner, plumb it up and then brace every eight to 16 feet and then repeat. Next one, tip it up. And we just got, oh, we just got repetitive and over and over again. Today, so since we'd finished all those exterior walls, how we continued that thinking was, I have uh, three people out there today. Two of them are going to be on a team, and they're going to be doing sills and headers. And I said, what I want you guys, so I, I, I laid one out for them. I cut most of the lumber for them, walked through the process of how they should put it together, nailing patterns, all of that. And then we went over the plans, kind of cinched it all up with how, how they would on the next one make sure they derive the RO and everything correctly. And I said, okay, guys, here's all, that window is a type C window. It's the most simple window on this house. Mm-hmm. There's 12 of them. Just do that 12 times in a row. Do C's only. Only Go and find C's. C's. I said, do not care about any of the other ones yeah. because I want you guys to master putting together C's type windows. That uh, is yeah, right? interesting. Yes, yes. I wouldn't have thought about that. And then I said, then after that, then I want you to move to the next biggest window that is not a C type after you're done with that. That is all is just one big unit. So let's say it's like three windows put together. So it's a it's a, uh, a CDC. Exactly. But like a, what is it? What is it? Mold, mold. A mold unit. And they said, okay. And I said, then the last ones, which are the most difficult, should be the ones where it's like a picture window flanked by two casements, but it's not all one unit. And there's some intermediate ones. And then the very, very last one is this special box beam stuff that we're making at the entryway. Yep. I go master the easy ones first. Yep. And so far, so good. Yep. And then are they putting in the trimmers? 
The Jack studs, yeah. Yeah, Jacks. Yep. yep. Trim. Um, cool. Also, that uh, back sunroom is a little bit weird, too. Yes. Yeah. But like I said, let's just keep climbing up that ladder. Yeah. Because because then it, what it leads to is like, okay, you did the... Instead of doing one window and then learning a different window and then trying to do the hard window, there's always new information at each level. So it's like get really, really good at this one level. And when you're directing these, when you're directing construction workers, I don't know what it is about a lot of them. I wouldn't say all of them, but for some reason they think it's going to be easier if we climb the biggest mountain first, and then we're going to climb the little ones after that. So I could, I've, I've seen this many, many times. Like let's tackle the hard stuff first. No, let's tackle the easiest stuff first. That's the most repetitive and get into a rhythm. And get, literally get into a good mood too, because a good mood is going to equal good results on a job site. When people start getting sloppy with their work on a job site, it's because they're tired in two different ways. Number one, they're mentally tired. And number two, they're physically tired. And that just, that just translates and it translates into, oh, we just gotta, we're just gonna, you know, slop this together or whatever. Yep. Um, so tips from the field. Um, I like it too. I think that happens in in architecture. And, and there used to be this book I haven't read it, but it's called Eat That Frog. And I think the eat thing, that frog. Eat that frog. I think it's you're supposed to take on the hard challenges mm. first. But I would say maybe that's a message like don't be afraid to take on hard challenges. But I've done the opposite. There's some stuff I hate to do. Like at, at one point, you hated billing out for these construction stuff. And the, the way I'd get myself into is like, oh, I'm just gonna find what's the easiest bill. Oh, what was my time? Okay, my time was this. Mm. What's the second easiest? Well, okay. Mm. You know, like just ease yourself into these cold waters. You know, dip your, you know, I take ice baths sometimes. Sometimes I wear socks. Sometimes I wear boxers. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm still in the bath. Yeah. Um, speaking of construction, uh, the, the owner showed me this and he said, hey, if they don't cost too much, he'd be okay with buying them. Because not only are you fighting with, you know, how you're, operating with people wood and steel is is strong stuff the weather right the weather is a big deal and it can blow blow you off a building right so i wanted to get your take on this to if if you think that it's useful or not because we'll be putting on roof trusses some of our roof trusses span They're freaking 40 huge. Feet. this is a big ass house i don't even know how many square feet to eight thousand is that right yeah eight or including nine including the garage yeah 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 eight huge. or nine so 40 foot <clears throat> And one of the most dangerous parts about it is like, okay, you can have blocking and you can have your layout of your trusses. Oh, I just clicked on your link. I love these. But having a guy at the high point where the moment is the highest, the moment is the highest and it's the hardest control. And then he has to have some sort of blocking up there and nail things together. So basically if I hit record right here, which it is recording. um, Are you sure? Man, what is, what is, there it is. Yay, it's there working. Go. So do you see how our trusses are way bigger than that? You, you basically, it's called truss lock. Wider or whatever, but yeah. No, but taller. Oh, that yeah. too. Sure. They're, they're going to yeah. be way taller. Yeah. Um, and then the top just locks together and I'm going to go to this next one um, video. If it will go. And basically, again, these are smaller trusses, but it works and, for a smaller truss. And, and see if, how he has the blocking at the bottom, yep. right? If you're not watching on YouTube and you're just listening to this terrestrially, just uh, Google uh, truss, T-R-U-S-S-L-O-X. Watch how this locks in. So the crane comes, which is going to happen. He butts it against his blocking, 
right? And just one guy on each side. And then pull it, snap it, done. So do you, do you like it? Do you see the value in I it? I 100% see the value in it. The only thing I don't like is that these guys are putting their blocking in bef- at the same time. I think that's silly. Well, for the for the bottom? Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that's... But these are dope. Yeah. Get them. Or who's getting them? Probably D? Yeah. Tell them to get them. The only thing that's nice about that is like, you literally just bring that truss right there. You know, like, let's we, say you we, had it marked out. Let's say you had it marked yes, out. Yes, thank you for at least exploring the idea that we'd have them marked out before. You do. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then and then you have a guy on each side and then a guy with the crane operator sending Might them up. Not, you know what? Maybe we'll do what they just did. Do yeah. the blocking at the same time. Screw it. And have, yep. And then there ha- no one at the top. And then you're setting those truss locks as the ground guy, sending it up there. Put it, snap Even it. if it was just the, because I think we talked about like it's a raised heel, so we're going to have to have a two, we have to have like, we're going to essentially Dude. laminate, right? We're going to do like a two by, call it Dude. two by 10, two by 12 or something. Yep. Right? Yep. So well, we could, so no, we no, could, I'm even, cool. We'll talk to the engineer, two by six on bottom, two by six on top. Yeah. But so maybe we just do the two but, by sixes at the bottom yes. and come back later. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. That's interesting. Cool. Man, they should be a sponsor for this podcast, don't you think? Yeah, don't you think? That'd be great. <laughs> Somebody tweet at him. Um, we don't have Nick Reed yet. He said it's coming. He's texting us. This is what happens with the besties. Uh, uh, he said email. He said emailed, but it sometimes it comes weird. Space and all that, yeah. yeah. All right, well, then there's no Nick Reeds. Holy cow, did we fail to get ARE Jeopardy together today? Nope. I got the first two. Uh, Al's got the first two, and so uh, we will bring down the crew for ARE Jeopardy, and I will get the three and four while it seems like a second of delay. There we go. Okay, are you ready? Question number one. Studs in non-bearing partitions may be spaced up to blank inches on center and maybe set with their long dimension parallel to the wall. So what do we call that when we have the studs like this way? Flat framed. Okay. So they may be spaced up to blank inches on center. Okay. I guess I got to give you the answers, right? Is it a 16 inches? Is it B 28 inches? Is it C 24 inches or D 32 inches? Three, two, one, guess. B, C, C, D. It is B, 28 inches. I wouldn't have known that. It's a weird, weird number. Huh. Okay, question number two. Corners on exterior walls shall have less, shall not have less than how many studs? This is wood framing. Corners on exterior walls shall have not less than how many studs? Is it A, 3, B, 2, C, 4, D, Uno, which is 1. Thanks, boss. What do we got? What do we got? D, A, A, C. It is A, 3. Have to have at least three studs. 
number three, what is a request applied for by a building owner to the planning department for permission to deviate from an ordinance called? Is it A, change order, B, variance, C, zoning change, D, special request? A repeat, or E, a prayer. Uh-huh, yeah, what do we got? Uh, let's see, B, A, B, B, correct answer is B, variance. All right, what do we got for, let's see the numbers here. Two, Two. three, one, one, no threes, right. no threes, no threes, okay. All right, how many exits must a building have as a minimum with 51 occupants? A, one, B, two, C, three, D, four. It should be easy. Uh, B, 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 correct answer is B, two. Looks like we're in tiebreakerville because we got some threes, right? Yep. All right, tiebreaker coming up. The rules are quickest one that answers it wins. Everyone gets a try if that, if no one gets the correct answer. The answer is going to be a number. Okay, everyone ready? Uh, per the IRC, building projections are not allowed within how many feet of the property line? Jason's correct. Two. No. What did you have? Okay. <laughs> it is two. And a little follow-up. Projections within two feet and five feet of the property line don't need to be fire rated. Or actually, sorry, need to be fire rated yeah. on the underside. Or be of heavy timber, fire retardant treated wood. And beyond five, there's no additional requirements. Yeah. There you That's go. Watch out for those property lines every time. All right. Uh, go check out architecttobuilder.com. Lance, take us out. Uh, if you'd like this episode, please share with a friend, a colleague, your mother, whatever it takes, and uh, we will see you next week. Thank you.